Hey there, Coach. Coach Will Love here. We have a great episode for you, but before we start, I wanted to let you know that the Idaho Basketball Coaching Podcast now has a newsletter. The newsletter has a bunch of great resources, including drills and concepts that I use with my program. It also includes write-ups to help you become a better coach. To subscribe to the newsletter, go to coachingidaho.substack.com. There, you'll also find an archive of past newsletters. Thanks for listening, and let's start talking some basketball. We're fortunate to have John Yu on this episode. Yu is from British Columbia, uh, but he is coaching currently in Vietnam, and he's a player development coach at the Performance Lab and the Saigon... Saigon Heat, yeah. Yeah, yeah Saigon so Heat. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, uh, uh, I coached in that organization. I coached some youth teams there. So perfect. Prior to that, you was held uh, held the same role for college prep in Italy under the friend of the pod, Alex Sarama. You is passionate about teaching the game through a constraints led approach, and we're excited to learn from him today. Coach, you thanks for talking some basketball with us. How is everything in Vietnam? First off, thanks for having me. Super excited to be here, and uh, just thankful for the opportunity. Um, Vietnam's going great. Uh, I just uh, got back a couple of days ago from Korea. Um, I returned from the Asian Youth Basketball Super Cup, um, which is a pretty cool opportunity. Uh, wasn't in the plans at all. Kind of <laughs> happened last minute. But um, yeah, just settling back into Vietnam and, and kind of getting right into it with my teams and, and the player development sessions and things like that. I, I, we're going to talk a little bit about your coaching in Vietnam, but as a whole, I mean, what, what's the basketball scene there in Asia, especially now that you've gotten that opportunity to kind of to, to go around and coach. It's, it's very varied for sure. Um, Vietnam basketball is very new. I would say like it's only been popular for maybe seven to 10 years. Um, I'm lucky that the organization I'm with um, kind of the, the owner or, or the guy running it, He's kind of like the godfather of basketball out here. Um, he started the Saigon Heat. <clears throat> That's our first professional team out here in Vietnam. He started the the VBA, so the Vietnam Basketball Association. He started that. And so anything to do with basketball on the national team and just Vietnamese basketball, he kind of has his, his hands on and was part of kind of bringing it up. Um, basketball is very – it's a little backwards a little bit. Um uh, I would say that it's played more in terms of like the nineties than it is the twenties um, <laughs> in terms of, yeah, it's, it, it prioritizes, especially being in Asia, there's not a lot of bigs. Right. And so if you have a big, especially if you have two bigs, you're going to play them both and it, the game can be a bit slow. And, um, but it's a cool thing to see coming from Canada and old North America, where obviously basketball is such a huge um, huge part of everything but here um, just even things like games like some kids will only get maybe 15 games a year mm -hmm. um, infrastructure things like that like uh, leagues they don't run a lot and if they do it's like they need to rotate between age groups and then male female so I was coaching um, in a league that was like six or seven weeks September to mid-October and then they're just starting up next weekend so that's a five or six month gap um so a lot of training but not a lot of games and so it's you can really really see it especially after kind of going and learning about you know ecological dynamics and cla and things like that 
you can really see the the development aspect um, where the training has kind of taken these players and, and where the game is versus if they had more opportunity to play. Obviously, in North America, there's, you know, you can play 10 games on a weekend or something, right? Like it's or in a week, right? It, it's quite a lot. So it's finding that right balance and seeing it from both spectrums where one, you're getting not getting enough games, but two, the other side, you're getting so many games that how much development are we really getting in here? Yeah, obviously, you know, on basketball Twitter, that's been a big subject of debate, especially after Adam Silver made kind of some of his comments about the about uh, uh, development in the United States in particular. And so, you know, I mean, what have you kind of learned there? Because, you know, you've been in uh, in Canada, you've been in uh, Italy and now in Vietnam. I mean, you know, is there is there a Goldilocks somewhere where there's just like the perfect, uh, perfect fit? I think there is. I mean, like, I mean, out of the, all, all three of those situations, like Italy, there, Italy was tough because we weren't allowed to play in the Italian league. And so our league was international. And so they played it kind of like how the shoe circuits do, where they play in stages every, you know, every two months or something. That's still not a ton of games. Right. And so even organizing, um, I know for Alex and, and the guys that were kind of doing the logistics of, of that, um, organizing games there was tough because teams didn't want to play us. And if they did play us, they didn't want to wear their jerseys. So it looked like a intra-squad scrimmage more so than an actual game. Um, but I definitely think there's like a, there is a fine, like there is a, a good sweet spot of games and development and things like that. And it's just trying to, I mean, hopefully Vietnam is trending towards that direction, kind of as more courts and infrastructure and, and things are built up. But even just, like what we take for granted in North America, like high school gyms, like we don't are like our practice court is essentially it's, it's, it's open sides. And so it's, we get leaves and we get mice and we get all the stuff on the floor and um, it, there's a massive flooding and it's just part of, it's part of basketball here where the kids are used to it and you know, no AC, no fans. Like you're just playing at 35 degrees Celsius heat, which I don't know what that is in Fahrenheit, but it's quite hot. Um, so, yeah, just hopefully with the popularization of basketball, hopefully with more and more people kind of investing in it, um, Vietnam will trend towards that direction. I'm not sure if North America is going to slow down, uh, slow down on the AAU side of games and things like that. Yeah, this is a term that Alex introduced, but it's the idea of forms of life in basketball and how important that is when you're considering uh, how you're going to, uh, how are you going to coach? How are you going to approach a de development and stuff like that? And so, I mean, what have you had to kind of do, um, considering these ideas of forms of life, like you said, uh, open air, uh, situations, flooding mice, uh, all that stuff. I mean, how has that kind of impacted you in regards to your approach to development in uh, Vietnam? Uh, I think it's just understanding kind of, um, where they're at and kind of what, like you said, those forms of life are, are happening. Um, I think of, especially coming from like an Asian Canadian background, um, I can kind of see like parents are very, obviously very, they want their kids to try everything. Um, they put them into, you know, after a bunch of different after school things, like whether it's extra, you know, math or could be art classes or, or music and things like that. Um, so that's quite important to, to parents out here. Um, yeah, just, it's it's interesting seeing you know like the values um because like they're very respectful here and like like i i don't care if someone calls me coach 
Like I'm not like that at all. But here coach is like a very respectful term. And so everyone is just like, like you could just see everyone is like, it's they're awesome. They're great people. Right. But I'm very casual. Like I'm, I'm not like that. I, Hey, we're chilling. Right. Like I say, everybody, what's up, man? Like, how's it going? Right. And I think it catches them off guard here that someone is so casual, I guess, about things. Um, but I bring that to my coaching. Like I'm very, especially seeing it here where it's very authority. Like the kids are waiting for instructions. The kids are waiting to be told what to do. And, you know, I'm listening to other podcasts and exactly the words, we're going to figure it out. Right. That's a term that gets used a lot, especially I, I say as well, like, these players need to learn how to think for themselves. These players need to learn how to solve these problems. Um, I smile a lot and I don't yell. And that's very different than, um, especially around Asia and, and seeing that that tournament in Korea. Um, crazy story, like parents and coaches wanting to like fight refs. And it's it's like stuff you'd see in America, but it's it was at a U10 basketball game. And it was just like, I told my team and and again, I had never coached for this club. And so I'm just meeting these players and these parents and, and this whole club for the first time. And I said, I was like, if any of you act like that as players or parents, like, I'll be honest, I, I'm not representing you. It was quite embarrassing to see. And so um, just the approach I bring, I, I try to build, you know, that positive environment and basketball is not life or death to be like, it's winning or losing. Like it's, I couldn't care less to be honest with you. Like, it's it's like let's have a good time let's build the game let's be positive let's build so much more than just basketball up here right and so i think that's a different approach than um kind of what they're used to seeing so let's kind of get into your background a little bit i mean what kind of led you down the constraints led approach and also evidence-based ideas and practices how did that kind of what what was it that kind of piqued your interest there um so yeah, it's I mean it's a bit of a long story, but um, growing up, I grew up I grew up in a pretty traditional environment. Now my coach is still a mentor and a really good friend to me. Um, but I ended up assisting him, and we ended up winning the provincial championship. So I guess the your version of states um, that year, the, my first year helping him, and obviously that was pretty fun, pretty cool experience. And so I did that. I assisted at my old high school for about five years. Um, and then the pandemic hit and I just remember, you know, kind of, I remember looking at my fiance saying like, I think we can come out of this better people. And what I meant by that is like, let's take this time where life slows down and, you know, let's learn and let's try to really improve ourselves here. And so I kind of started, you know, all the coaching clinics that were happening every hour, um, back then. And I remember watching, um, Alex's clinic and he's talking, he's comparing jazz and classical music and I'm not into either of those. And so, but I, I kind of liked what he was talking about. So I ended up watching like three times and it made me think about my training. And so I'll be honest, like I was a mediocre to decent high school point guard in Canada or like where I'm from, like nothing special, didn't play college, nothing. Um, but it made me think back to kind of what I did growing up and the training I did because I put in a bunch of hours, but I didn't get the results. And I'm not the player that I think I could be because it wasn't a matter of me being in the gym. I was always there, but it was me standing with a shooting machine, shooting a thousand shots from one spot and being like, cause you just want mindless reps. And so I would do that all the time. And, you know, you would do your, your cone ball handling and things like that. And 
I'm looking at my own skills. I'm like, there's got to be a better way to do this. And so kind of in that pandemic, it it really, and watching that clinic, it kind of made me really evaluate everything I had done and everything I had taught for five plus years coaching and trying to do the player development stuff at my old high school. Um, that really set me down the path of diving into the CLA and, and just learning more and more how to, how to be a better teacher, right? And how to be a better you know, environmental designer and things like that. You know, it's kind of interesting that you bring this up, you know, because when you think about, say, like Steve Nash, right, like that's probably not what comes to mind. It was more free flowing and just this guy experimenting out on, you know, and just in a lot of ways, like revolutionized what a uh, point card could can do. And then, you know, that you've got kind of this traditional, traditional setup. So my, my question for you is that you, you went to a, a, essentially like a coaching lab with Alex, right? And you guys were bouncing ideas and stuff like that. And so can you talk a little bit about that experience and what that was like when it was just like, okay, we're just going to throw things out there and just experiment and see what comes out uh, at, uh, at the end? Yeah, I mean, that was probably some of the best three months I wasn't only out there for three months and, and it was some of the best times of my life, just being around people that were so forth thinking um, and being open to so many different ideas. I remember um, the big thing that I was going out there for was to kind of experiment a lot with shooting. Um, so all of my player development sessions kind of revolved around developing shooting using, you know, CLA and I was really diving into differential learning. And I remember just one of the days Alex was like, I want you to try to, like you have the freedom to do whatever you want with DL, try something new. And so I'm having dudes like jump off the walls. I remember I had a pair of like gloves because it's cold in Italy. And I was like, you're going to try shooting with these gloves. And just like watching, watching the players, like, but they bought in, right? The whole reason they were there was because they, they bought into what we were doing as a staff and a program and just what we're, we're, we're trying to, we're trying something new, right? And in that laboratory setting, um, it was just, it was a dream to be honest, just, um, having that freedom, having that buy-in, but also just being able to, like you said, bounce ideas off each other or, you know, go to go to guys that have a little bit more experience in this stuff and ask like, hey, how can we do this better? Or, or what are you thinking in this situation? Um, so now it's a, bit of a, it's a bit of a change in Vietnam where I'm kind of the guy now where people are trying to ask me stuff and, and bounce ideas off me, which by no means am I an expert. Um, I'm learning every day and I'm really trying to learn every day and improve myself. But um it's a cool, it's cool to see both sides of that coin where now you're starting to see other coaches kind of flip their mindset and thinking. And um, I think things are slowly changing out here in Vietnam uh, with just how they're approaching the game and, and, you know, trying to use a little bit of more evidence-based uh, within their coaching. Yeah. And so that definitely you talked a little bit about it, but that was kind of my follow-up question is that how, I mean, what's the adjustment been like for you now? that I'm guessing it's a little more traditional approach in Vietnam and, you know, kind of finding your way into this, this program that, as you said, is, is probably new, but also like the most established program in Vietnam. Yeah. So I I'm lucky, like, like I said, our, our team owner, um, Connor Wynn, he's super forward thinking. Um, it's funny. He talks about, he's like, we do well, like in Southeast Asian games, like he's like, we do well. We're in the middle of the pack. We always, it's, it's kind of always the same thing. We beat the same teams and then we lose to the same teams by 40. And so he's like, we got to do something different. And so I remember our first conversation with him and, and coach the head coach of the Saigon, he at the time, Matt Van Pelt, who's now uh, head coaching in the NBL one. 
the Goldfield Giants. Um, both of those guys are very forward-thinking, and both of them, I think, appreciated kind of what I was going to bring to the table. Um, and so just having that that right away, that buy-in from those guys that are, you know, kind of my superiors, but guys I hadn't even met before, um, but that were just open to new ideas, new type, new types of thinking, things like that. Um, I was lucky to to have those guys kind of in my corner right from the start. My experience in, in talking to other coaches um, that I've met through the podcast and then also through like Alex um, is that, you know, it's usually like the head coach that buys into kind of the CLA, this conceptual offense or defense. And then you've got the rest of the staff and they're kind of, you know, uh, maybe not as bought in as say like the head coach, or maybe just don't know anything about that. And so I was wondering, you know, what are some ways that you found in your experience that you can kind of educate the rest of the staff uh, on some of these concepts so that it's, um, uh, you know, palatable? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I guess a couple things come to mind on that one. I remember, so I'm working with the guy, um, a young up and coming coach. He's going to be really, I mean, he is a good coach. Um, I got it by the name Andy White. Um, my first time meeting him, we kind of sat down, we started talking hoops and he came from a traditional background as well, but he sees basketball the same way I do where, you know, it's beautiful. It's art if you want it to flow. And so I remember just talking to him of kind of about, you know, our, the approach with CLA and kind of what we're trying to do. And the feedback he gave me was like, it, all it took was an hour talking to me. And he's like, you've, change the way I think about everything now and he's like you explain it very well and I'm not saying I do by any means but um I think just having those conversations with people um having those those talks and and inviting them I invite anyone come to my practice come watch and the number one thing is like I want them to be engaged right especially I know you're a teacher as well I'm a I'm a high school teacher back home and so the number one thing we we want to think about is engagement right the best learning happens when students are engaged when players are engaged and as soon as you go into the CLA and things like that, like right away, you see engagement levels go up. Players are bought in and they're having fun. They're smiling, but they're learning. Right. And so um, I've also had some opportunities out here. What they do is they run something called Pro Coaches Academy, where coaches kind of from all over Ho Chi Minh City um, will come together for about an hour or so a week. And they asked me, it was the first three sessions of, of it restarting. And I ran three different sessions. Um, about CLA, DL, and then kind of a bit of a theory, three session behind it. And so it was a really cool opportunity for me. I had never really done a coaching clinic. Um, it's always been a goal of mine to to educate others and to kind of do a clinic like that. So um, by no means am I saying it went well. There's definitely things I, I could change, definitely looking back. Um, but it's all learning experience for me. And um, I'm lucky that coming out of that, a lot of coaches, it, it piqued their interest. Um, the first session I did, I had them on the floor right away. And it, it was, we're going to experiment, or I'm going to kind of put you through what a CLA kind of workout would look like. So I had all these coaches on the floor playing, right? And then we're meeting, we're talking, we're talking as groups, small group discussions. I'm, I'm running it exactly like I would kind of practice and getting them to talk, dialogue, things like that. And um, the feedback I got and just seeing seeing them ex experience that, I think it it started to really change the way um, they approach things. And so now I'm even, even noticing if I go into our practice facility now, I can see players and coaches and things like that doing things that um, they may have done that day or 
or they've seen me do, or, or they're just trying to make things a little more live. Um, especially with Vietnam, like I said, there's not a lot of games and um, I guess a lot of the training is the one on zero, three on zero, five on zero stuff. But now more and more they're starting to, I'm not sure if it's fully CLA just yet, but even going down that game's approach, um, I still think it's the right step, a step in the right direction. Um, that's kind of my evolution as well. I started with the game's approach and then I got into the CLA and so it's, it's slow. It takes, it takes some time, but um, I think it, they're, they're heading on the right path down for sure. Yeah. And, you know, we'll talk a little bit more about CLA and shooting in a little bit, but, you know, I think uh, it's important to kind of uh, allow for baby steps into it. And like you said, starting out with a game's approach. And I think that's becoming more and more common, but then also starting, okay, we can, we, this evolves, you know, there's, there's more to this that uh, is pretty dynamic when you, when you get into it. And uh, an example, I would, uh, our junior high or middle school coach, he was more of a traditional coach. And then he came over to one of our practices and saw what we were doing and he's actually a PE teacher. And he's like, this is what I do with the kids in PE. Why was I not doing this in, in practices with my players? Like, I just like, as soon as he kind of saw that and was like, okay, you don't need to coach this way. You can coach that way. Uh, he was, he was bought in and now he like going to his practices are a lot of fun. And I actually learn a lot because he's, he is a PE teacher and he knows a lot more about uh, movement than I do. That's awesome. That's awesome to hear. I love that. Yeah. So let's kind of talk a little bit about constraints led approach, because, you know, we kind of look at it from a coach's perspective, but like you said, you know, working with uh, these kids in Vietnam and then even, you know, in the United States, like kids are pretty traditional in how they get taught the game. And so when they come into my practice, I, I have to tell them things are going to be a little bit different. We're going to do some weird things, but you know, we've had some success over the years. So please uh, believe that it's going to help, but how are you building? Obviously the big thing is that trust and relationship with those kids. So like, what are some things that you're doing to build that trust and relationship as you're working with these kids? Yeah, definitely. I mean, definitely going the same route as you ex explaining kind of the first, the first time you meet them, like, Hey, things are going to be quite a bit different than what you're used to. I just need you to try your best and, and give me your effort and energy here. Um, the big thing I mean, for me, every time I walk in the gym, I shake everyone's hand and I say Sin Chao, which is a terrible, no pronunciation way of saying hello in Vietnamese. Um, I have no accent for it. Um, <laughs> and they laugh because it's it's just a terrible pronunciation. But um, I think it goes a long way with when the coach comes up to you saying hello in your language. And I, I go with a big smile and I make sure like I make them feel welcome or I'm happy to see them. And I do that with everyone, whether it's you know, parents, it's um, the girl working for the company, taking the, the attendance, it's the players, it's other coaches. It's it's trying to just create that environment that, hey, I'm happy to see you no matter who you are. Um, and I think that goes a long way, especially here where um, it is very authority. Like there's level, there's like clear hierarchy, right? But I don't I don't see myself like that. It's, it's no, 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 we're, we're all here together. I'm happy you're here. I'm, I'm happy that we're all here together. Um, and then, yeah, explaining, Hey, things are going to be weird. Um, and then just getting them to try different things. Um, but then right away, I, I don't know, I, you see the smiles, you see them thinking, you see them working and, and then talking to them after and being like, what did you think about that? Right. Or what did you think here? Or, and then we can kind of dialogue opening up that, that communication 
where um, even even like especially being out here, some players don't even speak English or much English, right? But just really putting an effort in and and trying to get to know them all as individuals and and get them just you know, hey, like I'm here for you, right? So yes, it's going to be different. Yes, it's going to be. You may think this is crazy, but I promise you, at the end of the day, no matter what, I'm trying my best to help you. So I want to take you back to the pandemic, which you were talking about and watching a bunch of these videos and uh, watching Alex, because the exact same thing, that was my same experience too, is seeing Alex and then going, wow, this is kind of interesting. I want to uh, investigate this a little bit more. But can you talk a little bit about the uh, developing the confidence where you're willing to experiment? Because I think that's probably, you know, it's one thing to be looking at this stuff and saying, oh, this is cool. It's another thing to like, all of a sudden show up and practice and say, okay, we're going to do something different. So how did you kind of uh, approach developing that confidence, especially when you start, first started doing some of these, uh, the, some of these CLA uh, approaches? I think like just with the amount that I had kind of been learning and just reading and like, I, I put a lot of effort into really diving into this stuff that, and, and, and then just having that, yeah, you experiment. And I look back at, because in the pandemic, it took me about a year and a half before I really started coaching again mm -hmm. um, into the pandemic. So at that point, it's like, okay, well, I put in all this time, like, let's go. Right. And looking back, oh man, it's it was terrible. Right. Like <laughs> looking back, like, oh man, I wasn't doing anything close to um what I would be doing now. Right. But it's 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 understanding like it's it's as much of a learning process for them and as it is for me. Um, we're all learning together and um, like you say, if you boil it down to engagement, if you have them competing, if you have them playing basketball, you're going to, you're going to find buy-in, you're going to find engagement. Um, and, and that, that'll bring confidence because then they're having fun, right? We talk about, you know, getting our players into flow state, you know, my, my favorite thing is the player at the end of the session. And I'm like, yo, time's done. Like that's an hour and a half. And they're like, what do you mean? What do you mean? It's over. That's my favorite. That's my favorite thing in the world as a coach, right? You lost track of time, especially in this day and age where everyone's on their phone or everyone's, it's really hard to keep their attention span. Um, I think having those little moments like that kind of helped build my confidence up in terms of, hey, we're on the right path here. Let's just keep trying things. Let's just keep working. Um, and so that kind of gives me that that confidence, I guess, to to really just try try new things, try to put players in different different um, scenarios or environments that, that they're used to and, and try to watch them grow from there. All right. So this is obviously a concept for a lot of people. I mean, can you kind of give us an example of like what you're doing in a development session, what you're maybe doing in a practice, what this, what this actually looks like? Yeah. Um, so I'll give you an example. Yesterday um, I was running what we call breakfast clubs. So five days a week um we'll we'll have kind of the pro players come out for a breakfast club so yesterday i had five guys um i do a lot of dl do a lot of dl shooting with them um at this point they're all they all understand kind of what we're doing and, and why um i think getting good at the explanations not good but at least getting more clear on the explanations of as to why we do these things um it helps them i'm experimenting a lot with um movement um i'm noticing that a lot of the like coordination and fluidity of movement is very lacking a little bit. And so yesterday I, I had them playing um, 
Saturn's rings, which is one of my favorite activities. It's kind of something I, I used in, or I kind of thought of in Italy and I've kind of brought it along with me. Um, and so I had them playing Saturn's rings and I had them starting first sitting on the ground. And so it's just understanding, getting them to figure out how I can get up and then get explosive as quick as I can. So the rep would start as soon as they got up. Um, and then after that, we went from, I said, two hands, one foot on the ground. And so I told them to experiment with as many different ways as they could by having two hands and one foot on the ground. And for sure, they're looking at me a little crazy, but it's just getting them to just try so many different movements, right? If we, especially in basketball and especially coming from just traditional background, like you have the same starting point or everyone's all set already or things like that, where I want chaos, right? I want you to figure out how to move. I remember um, I coached AAU back home in Vancouver for, for a good club there. And we had crash mats and I had, you know, my six foot seven kid rolling on this mat and just figuring out how to just move. And he kind of looked like a, a deer learning how to walk sometimes. But um, I think it goes a long way in terms of just learning how your body moves, learning how your coordination patterns and, and your movement patterns are and, and figuring out, hey, if my goal is to get up and get explosive, right, away from this defender, right, the more and more reps, even just a few reps of that, I think it goes a long way in terms of, of learning about yourself as a mover. Yeah, and talk about engagement. I mean, you know, um, at the beginning of the season, we did this a lot more, um, and I wish we would have done it a little bit more at the end of the season, but you know, going off of some of Jamie Smith's uh, stuff at U of Strength and just getting them into kind of movement games, it, like we would do that at the beginning of practice and those kids would just be, I mean, they would be smiling, they'd be loud, and then all of a sudden that would carry over into our our practice. So, you know, it was just one of those things that uh, that was pretty neat to watch because, again, they're all little games that we kind of do and the, the kids would have so much. I mean, there were silly games, too, uh, but the kids would have so much fun with them. And then that would uh, just be a great way to start the practice. Exactly. Like it's 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 crazy because like I'm not sure about you, but like I've, I don't really have to say like, hey, we need to pick our energy up here. It's more like, hey, I need us to like lock in a little bit more because I know we're having fun. I, lo I, I love the fact that we're having fun right now. Right. But I need us to like be focused on our goal, or focus on our objective. Right. Where I know, you know, coaching or assistant coaching for the five years of my high school when I was more traditional, it was a lot of times it'd be like, hey, we got to pick up our energy right now. We look, we look like we don't want to be here. And I can honestly say, like, I've never had, I've never had a thought where it's like, hey, these players don't want to be here because right away, if you're competing, you're competing. And that's exactly what they want to do as players. So uh, I was talking to a coach about this uh, last week, actually. Uh, and so we were kind of talking about the CLA and we were also talking about, you know, how you like how you fit that in as a coach of a team that's like getting ready for a tournament, getting ready for state uh, or a big game. So can you kind of take us through that, how that kind of works in regard to kind of prepping for for a game that's coming up? Yeah. I mean, I think it goes hand in hand, right? I mean, CLA, you're competing and um, you're teaching reads, right? So if I'm using CLA and we're talking about, you know, pick and roll or something, right? You can talk about the different types of coverages you might see and, and the different weapons that you can use to use against them. 
Um, I honestly do believe it does go quite hand in hand as long as you're intentional about um, what you're trying to manipulate, whether, you know, it's um, your scoring system or your space or, or what you're trying to highlight based on what you see out of your opponent. Um, I'll be honest out here. I don't do a lot of scouting in Vietnamese basketball because it's quite, it's quite a lot of copy paste out here. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I do fully agree that, or I, I do believe that um, as long as you're being intentional with your teaching, as long as you're being intentional with the constraints that you're manipulating or, or what you're trying to accomplish in practice, um, you're getting them to be better readers of the game, right? Better basketball players. And ultimately, I mean, if you, you can scout all day, but if, if a kid knows how to play basketball and make a read, then you can scout us all you want, right? We're right. going to figure out a way to counter that. So, I mean, I guess what you're saying is that, you know, traditionally, like, um, at least with coaches I've been around, they'll say like, okay, we're going to walk through what this team does and then we're going to show some video and then do that. But you're saying, okay, let's take a part of what that team does and just like, let's make this live two on two, three on three and, um, and kind of go from there. Exactly. Yeah. Like if, you know, let's say they like to hard hedge on, on a pick and roll or something, right. Okay. Well, we know that this team likes to hard hedge. So how can we be a hard hedge? Right. And you let them kind of think, okay, maybe we short roll. If we relay, relay pass ahead and, and see our, see our guy rolling deeper. Right. It's, it's things like that. It's your teaching in context, right? Everything we do and all of my teaching, I, I really want it to be in context and having an opponent and understanding what they want to do. Well, that's giving me the context that I don't even need to make up now. So yeah, we can prepare for that or yeah, we can, we can kind of figure that out as we go for sure. All right. And so you were talking about DL. And so for coaches that don't know, you're talking about differential learning, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's differential learning. Um, you want me to kind of dive into that a little yeah, bit? Yeah. Let's or... go ahead and dive into that. Yeah. So DL is, I mean, we've all seen videos of Kevin Durant, you know, kind of spinning around and, you know, dropping down real low and, and before he takes a shot and things like that. Um, the whole purpose of DL is to try to get our body to move um and figure out its own kind of solutions movement solutions um so the number like if i'm running a dl workout kind of the first activity i'll use is i want you to shoot with different stances and so you could have really wide feet you could have staggered you could go into a lunge you could go you know your feet narrow or crooked or whatever and it's just getting them to try to figure out how to shoot with the goal of getting a brad um so learn that one from alex and uh sefu bernard um, with a back rim and down, right? So that's kind of our external cue in all of my shooting. It's I'm only counting rads or I'm only counting switches. And so it's how can our players kind of self-organize their bodies to create optimal arc um, in all of these weird movement conditions. Um, it's, it, it pushes, like, I can't even remember where I heard this, that analogy of the box, right? And so it's like, imagine you had a box in front of you. And that has all the answers to all the problems you see on the basketball court. Well, if we practice with the perfect footwork and the perfect balance and everything being perfect, those are the kind of the answers we have in our box. But with DL, I'm trying to expand your box and give you more answers. So I'm going to make you move in as many different crazy ways as you can, but always your end goal is to get that Brad or get that swish. And so I'm wanting your body to kind of learn more and more about itself. Right. And how I can create that optimal arc, how I can create my optimal shot in unoptimal conditions. Right. And so it's just getting these players to understand 
uh, the, the box analogy, I think it, it really helps them. Like, hey, yeah, maybe because like in a game, you know, yeah, you practice with perfect forward, perfect balance, but how many times do you really get perfect forward, perfect balance, right? How many times, you know, you may get contact before you go up, you know, they may have a little hand on your hip and, and, and they're kind of guiding you and, and pushing you a little bit, right? So you need to find your balance, yes, but you also need to embrace variability, right? Embrace that that condition that, hey, it may not be perfect here, so how can I get this done? How can I do my job or, or, or finish the end goal? You talked about how you're focusing on CLA through or shooting through CLA methods. And so, I mean, what are some of the things that you've kind of picked up uh, in this time since you've been in Italy and then back in Canada and now Vietnam? Yeah. So with using CLA and shooting, um, and I tell the players, it's if you want to get four or 500 shots up in a, in a workout, I'm, I'm not the coach for you. Um, if you want me to just like rebound while you're standing in the corner, shooting a bunch of threes, like I, I'm not the coach for you. Um, I talk about, we talk about like quality shots, right? We're talking about stuff that yes, it'll be game speed. Um, one of the things we like to do is, is the, the kill confirm stuff, which, um, we did in Italy as well, where, you know, you'll have two basketballs and it'll be some sort of one-on-one game or, or whatever. Let's say you can't, you can't score inside, inside the paint. Right. So it's going to be a mid range or it'll be a three and you can weigh your scoring system however you want. Um, but let's say the shooter, the offensive player hits their shot. Well, they'll they'll get the second rep coming off a handoff or coming off with, you know, me with a second ball. Um, and if they miss, the defense goes on offense and they get that second ball. And so it's kind of bringing in that like that first shot really matters because you're either going to play offense or defense. Right. And then right away, you need to either flip the switch of like, hey, I'm on offense. I need to play defense. Or I'm on offense and I'm still on offense, so I need to now use my burst of speed, get out of there. You know, I'm holding the ball for a handoff, and now it's a one-on-one plus one. So I like to use that quite a bit. Um, yeah, any sort of contested contested shooting, things like that. It, it, we try to make it as variable as we can. So I try not to get them to start in the same spots. Right? I'm always trying to change range, change location. Um, going to give you a bunch of different passes. I'm going to be changing my location. And so it's just getting them to see as many different scenarios and situations as they can rather than hey you're just gonna we're gonna start at these two cones and you're gonna get these same contested shots over and over and over no i'm thinking about one because you know we were working on a finishing drill so it was 1v1 and then i would give the after they finished either make or miss i would give that offensive player the basketball but i like that idea of actually the defensive player gets to go on offense if you don't make that first one and it just puts a lot of weight on that shot puts a lot of weight and and right away engages your defender because it's like okay well every kid wants to play offense yeah so i get to stop here i get to go on offense and i get to try to score awesome perfect right and then we're working on that next play mentality right and and that flipping that switch of hey i'm on offense i'm now on defense Right. So you'll see guys that they'll go up for their shot and they know what's off and right away. They're sprinting to me because they know that the, the, the defensive player now, the new offense best coming for the handoff. Right. So it's like you see them like, oh, I got to get back now. Right. So, yeah, I, I really like to use that one. So I use that one quite a bit. Um, but yeah. And then just weighing your scoring systems appropriately. Yesterday I had them play um, walk to run three point three pointers or walk to run like in the, at the half court. Um, so we kind of stayed inside the attack lines of the volleyball in the half court and walk to run is a pretty common thing. A lot of coaches use it, right? So one hand on the back, uh, defensive player will put their hand on the back of the offense player and they're kind of walking around and kind of, they can change their, kind of like snake, you know, that, that old arcade game snake where they're following, they're following. 
And as soon as the offensive player breaks contact, they can go to either rim. So now, you know, you can snake around, you can move, move, move. You can pretend you're going one way, cross over, come back, going the other way. Well, it was one point for, I started one point for uh, a mid-range shot, so outside the paint. And then I gave four points for a three-pointer. But then I also said, you get one re-trigger with the coach worth two points. That has to be a three-point shot. So now you're coming down. I either have a pull-up three, I have an opportunity for a mid-range, or if I don't like it, I can pass it to coach. And then now we're playing off a get, off a, a dribble handoff action for two points only, but it's got to be a three-pointer. Right? So now it's kind of getting them to think, okay, the big thing we talked about yesterday was understanding what is an open shot for each of us? Because it's going to be different. It's going to be different for you. It's going to be different for me, right? And so, um, yeah, doing stuff like that, I was experimenting and and the guys were loving it. And it was really cool to see one guy thought he was out of it. And then all of a sudden he goes three for four from, from three, like just coming out of there, boom, four points, four points, misses the next one, but then four points for the win, right? And it, it fired up the whole gym. Everyone was like, okay, like that was good. Well done, well done. I guess one of the things that I really enjoy that's been engaging for me is like trying to figure these uh, these activities out, right? Like trying to, okay, watching and seeing, okay, what do we need to do to improve this or get the kids doing that? And so, you know, maybe through Saturn rings, cause I've actually tried that in, in uh, some workouts before, um, but kind of take us through the process that uh, like how you kind of came to that point you know, so describe what the, what the drill is and then kind of the process you went through to say, okay, we're going to try this, uh, in, uh, in practice. Yeah. So Saturn's rings is something, you know, just there's a, there's a morning player development workout. Um, so how it works, um, and now I've completely kind of changed what it was, but, um, we'll have the offensive player, you know, you can start with a live dribble or not defensive player is going to pretend like they are Saturn's ring. So they're going to orbit. And so you can tell them you could, you have to orbit behind them, right? So the offensive player can't see. You can tell them the next rep you're going to orbit in front of them so the offensive player can see where you are. You can tell them you can orbit any way you want, you can change direction, things like that. And as soon as the offensive player takes off, um, it's live. And so you can give them, you know, one, two dribbles. You can give them a time limit. You can give them whatever you want. Um, the, the original version, I wanted my players to work on what we're going to call kind of like escaping, right? Or just creating more space uh, away from the defender into their shot. Um, and then looking back, it's like you can get, you know, extra rep or time on task. And like you say, or what, like we talked about, you know, if you miss the shot, uh, defense comes offense and it's, it's going right into it. Things like that. You can go off ball. Um, so I had, I had my players do it um, before Christmas break where there, I think there's four people in our group. And so there's a passer, screener an offense and a defense but then the as soon as the pass was made the passer also became an extra helper for offense so they could be a screener they could be an, uh, a re-trigger whatever you want so it's just getting you know four players engaged but it's now my players are understanding how to navigate screens how to and my screeners are understanding okay how do i how do i get in the way without making it illegal right and things like that so you can really just start tweaking things and, and tweaking what you really want to work on whether you want the catch and shoot whether you want them to play off the dribble whether you want um yeah i don't know just get creative um and I, it's cool to hear you you think same way where when you're seeing something you're like okay but how can we improve this right how can we how can i as a coach if i were to take this drill how can i you know improve my time on task or improve kind of what i want my players to work on 
And I think that's a big thing with, with coaching and, and as coaches, like rather than be copy paste, I'm not saying be critical, but I will, like, we want to think, right. We're all, we're all stealing from each other, right. There's, it is what it is. Right. But how can we adapt things to kind of what we believe in or what we want our players to kind of improve on? Um, I think that's, that goes a long way. That goes a long way in terms of getting creative and just understanding, um, yeah, how can we how can we always make something a little bit better? Yeah. And one of my favorite things this season is that, you know, a coach would say, Hey, coach, we're not doing this well. And then it was like, Okay, let's think of a drill really quick that we can do to work on that thing that the kids aren't doing well. You know, let's try to make this up on the fly and just see if it works. And then, you know, the kids also or us also being willing to say, Okay, we're going to adapt this right now because we don't like what we're seeing, you know, and rather than like you might think, Hey, this makes me look bad. Actually, the kids are okay with it. Like they don't care, you know, they, yeah, they'll just go with anything, you know? So. Exactly. At the end of the day, they want to play basketball mm -hmm. and then you've seen it too. I'm sure we're, you know, the more basketball they're playing in practice, like that's the buy in, Right. And, and we, like, I, I don't care. I'll ask for feedback all the time. Like, Hey, what do you guys think of this? Like, do you guys enjoy this? Like, what would you change? And you give them freedom, especially the guys that kind of do it more and more like, okay, I want you to think of something that now that we can, like a constraint we can manipulate. Now I'm not going to say it like that. You don't say, okay, I want you to think of a rule that we can bring in, right? Think of something brand new, right? And typically they're not stuff that it's, it's going to be super strong, but okay, let's build on that now, right? I like the, I like the first idea that you gave, but let's continue to build, right? So now it's getting to think. And then I think you see them now when they come into the gym, they, and they're doing their own little games and stuff. Like it's different now. They're not just, hey, give it to me and let me shoot 10 shot, 10 shots from here. It's okay, let's let's make a rule here. Right? Let's make rules. Let's make rules. Let's make rules. Let's let's play. Yeah. One of my another one of my favorite experiences is uh my administrator came in and he was watching some of the practice. And at that point I said, okay. All right. What I want you to do is break up and you guys got have to come up with a shooting drill that utilizes, I think it was like two basketball, two basketballs and some of our concepts. And you guys got like three or four minutes to create this thing. And so, you know, and when my administrator heard that, he was like, oh, no, <laughs> this might not turn out. But then, you know, if you go and look at it, it was like, man, these are better. Uh, these are better uh, shooting drills than we come up with or the traditional ones. They're pretty complicated. And the kids did an awesome job. And then I was talking to him the next day and he was like, that was that was something else. That was pretty amazing. That's awesome. And yeah, we got to give players credit. They're, they're definitely a lot smarter than than we think they are. Right. And so, yeah, once you give them that kind of freedom and especially if they start understanding um a little bit about the constraints of the rules and things like that. Like they can get really, really creative. And I mean, I'm a PE teacher back home. So it's the same thing where you open the equipment room. And it's like, I want you to create a game, right? And I want you to create a game with, you know, this rule or this objective. And you see, you see them get as creative there as, as well. Right. So it's, it's giving them those opportunities to, to just try, try new things and, and have that safe space that, yeah, you can try and it may or may not work, but it's all good. It's part of life. Yeah. And one of the things I think is important and you uh, would appreciate this as a teacher, because this is something that we have to do is that here, you know, our kids actually learning something. And so when you put the, you know, when you ask them to do these types of things, you are actually 
like showing, okay, my teaching or coaching has been effective, or maybe it hasn't been, and we got to work on this a little bit more. So it's a nice assessment, a self-assessment for you as a coach to see, okay, what, what do my kids understand at this point? Exactly. Checking for understanding. Always checking for understanding, right? So as a teacher, I'm sure you've heard that one a bunch. So you're a young coach and, you know, you've been able to coach in, uh, in British Columbia and Italy and Vietnam. And I don't know what the future holds for you, but you know, when you are looking for a coaching job, kind of being this on this kind of, I, you know, I'd say kind of fringe at this point, um, you know, does that kind of limit you and what's available or are you finding that, uh, that programs are actually like, Hey, we need somebody that thinks a little bit differently in our program. Like you talked about there in Vietnam. Yeah. I, I've definitely been lucky that, like you say, programs that um, kind of reach out that are like, we are looking to change something or we're looking to kind of expand our knowledge in in something. Um, I think it is quite important. I don't know if I would be able to, or I would want to work in a traditional environment where if I had, if if I had to go back and, and, and they're like, no, no, we don't want to do any of that well, then I'd be like, well, then why am I here? Right. And so I'm, like I said, I was lucky with this whole Vietnam thing that um, right away they saw value in, in something different. Right. And hopefully that I could kind of bring in. Um, and I think moving forward, that is important for me. It's just, it's that growth mindset, right. It's, it's understanding. Hey, and I'm, like I said, I'm not saying I'm the smartest guy in the world or I know everything, but I just need people that want to learn and want to grow and try new things and aren't afraid to fail. Um, yeah, so I, I, I don't know if I would approach a job or, or want to work at a job that, um, would kind of limit my creativity or limit, um, back to the, you know, the traditional format. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, final question here is that when you went back to the club uh, that you coach at in Vancouver after being, uh, in Italy, I mean, how did, how did that kind of, how did that work out for you there? Yeah, so I stepped right back into the AU scene. Um, I was assisting a U16 team, um, a very, very talented one. They actually, they went down to Vegas and they won the big tournament there in, in July in the in the highest division, which was pretty cool for um, our club and I would say Canada basketball. Um, I'm lucky that the head coach who has way more experience and way more knowledge of the game than me, um, but he was very open to kind of new ideas and, and what I was bringing. And so we worked well together in terms of he would give me um, kind of the opportunity to teach triggers and half-court offense um, and a bit of the fast break and, and transitional and stuff. But, you know, he still had his sets. He still had his base defense and he still had the way he taught. Um, but he gave me, you know, that freedom to to work with guys. It was an interesting situation because half the team actually lived on Vancouver Island. So that's about two and a half, three hours away. And I had half the players in the mainland. And so we would come together, you know, maybe two weekends of of the month um, for a full team practice. But I had those five guys. Um, and so I ran it like I would any player development session, really just trying to teach them reads, teach them the game. And um, they they learned a lot. I had kids that, you know, before they were kind of like grinders, right? Screeners and rebounders. But now they're understanding, okay, but, I can slip here or I know, I, I know when to slip or I know when to hold my screen. I know the screening angle I'm looking for. I know like, it's just, they, they're becoming basketball players. Um, one of, one of our 
our guards. He had never, he didn't know, really know what a ghost screen was. And I was like, this is something that you could use really, really well if teams switch on you, right? And, and you could see right away when he started understanding, he's like, wow, this really works. It's like, yeah, like you're playing basketball, like you're making a read. Like, I'm not going to tell you what to do, right? But if you see the defense do something, right, there's always a way to count, right? So now let's try to figure out what works best for you here. Um, so yeah, it was, it was really fun. It was a really fun opportunity. Um, and, and like I said, I'm, I'm very lucky that, um, coach Chris Franklin, the head coach there, uh, kind of was very open to those ideas and kind of giving me, uh, a bit of freedom to, to kind of bring something new and something different in. I actually lied. I've got one more question. I mean, how is this translating to, uh, the court and games, uh, with you, with, the the program there in, in Vietnam? Yeah. So. Um, I am not avoiding, but I am not relying on set plays. Um, a lot of, almost every team out here is going to run a bunch of sets and you can see, I know we've all been there where, you know, a kid's going to run to a spot and screen a spot rather than find the person they're supposed to be screening. Right. And so I'm teaching kind of, I'm keeping it very basic. Um, like I have one baseline inbounds play, right. It's making reads. It's, you know, you're going to put in a couple of triggers, um, couple uh two-person triggers maybe a three-person trigger or two and teaching kind of off-ball actions and things like that but other than that it's like you're playing basketball here and especially like i'm coaching the u16 team right now and i don't know how many of them you know have aspirations to go pro and um, the university basketball scene here is very like not good not high level and so uh it's like this this might be some of the highest levels they play at so like, let's teach them how to play a little bit. Let's let them have fun and, and make reads. And um, all practice we play, right? It's going to be different forms, three on three, five on five, different, you know, different constraints, things like that. But at the end of the day, like, they're playing, and especially with the lack of games they have here, like, they need it. They need these opportunities to see as much as they can and these reps that, you know, are more alive than not. Um, So I think it's translating well. Like, we came second in our league. Uh, it wasn't ideal we didn't have um our three best players at any of the practices because they're trained with um what we call next gen heat and so those are the guys that are kind of aiming to be pros and so they have their own little small group sessions and things like that so it's an interesting dynamic working with i don't want to say my bottom eight but you know the guys that you know they they need a little more work but you could see like just in you know the two or three months of practice and, and playing all the time like you really see them improve. You really see them gain confidence in, in their abilities and and just understanding how to play basketball versus, you know, you're just you're just a, a part in a set. Right. And so yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. And and I came back and now I'm doing that 16s again and we've shuffled the roster a bit. And now I'm having, you know, 10 to 12 guys at practice. And now it's like, okay, now we can put in our triggers. Now we can put in exactly what we want to do. So I'm super excited for for this coming season and just um, being able to see kind of where those guys are at. So I'll definitely keep you posted on how that goes for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you got a fan here. So anyway, John, I really appreciate uh, getting the opportunity to talk to you and learn from you. It's been it's been a lot of fun, and I just want to wish you good luck uh, with your upcoming season. Awesome. Thank you so much, William. Really appreciate you reaching out, and, and I'm glad we got to connect, and I look forward to to following you in your journey as well. 